James chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. killing? He was right into churches for goodness sake. Surely they weren't killing each other. Some people think they might have been but I don't. I think James is deliberately using strong language here for another reason. There's a lot of quarrelling that goes on in churches. Sometimes it's like all-out war, the gloves off, people lobbing verbal hand grenades. But mostly the disputes are minor ones over points of doctrine and the like, and sometimes they're over downright petty things. Who gives out the hymn books? Who sits where? Who makes the tea? You might laugh, but it happens. By writing about wars and killing, I think James wants us to know that he's concerned about every kind of quarrel, from the lesser ones all the way up to the big nasty ones. And as well, I think he's drawing our attention to how serious even those minor disputes and petty quarrels are from God's point of view. You see, as God sees it, there's no such thing as a petty quarrel that doesn't matter. Even what we would call a minor altercation is as bad as war. And those harsh words you use against your brother or sister, well, you might as well be killing him as far as God is concerned. Remember? You've heard that it was said to those of old you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. That's Matthew five twenty one and 22. And Jesus also said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The way we get along with one another is the badge that distinguishes us from the world. Quarrels and disputes bring shame on us, and they bring dishonour on the Lord. Well then, where does the fighting come from? James gives us a clear and simple answer to that. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? When you quarrel or argue, don't say the devil made me do it. Don't say I was provoked and don't say somebody else stirred it up. It's coming from your desires. There's something you want and that's what lies behind it. You want something, you can't have it, so you go after it and you end up fighting and quarrelling over it. It might be that you want some position in the church or just a bit of recognition for your abilities. There might be something you would like to own. It might be something you want done for your friends or even for one of your family. Or it might be a particular belief or doctrine that you want to put forward. So you start thinking to yourself, how can I get this? How can I make this happen? 
Well, if it's something you want to have and somebody else has it, you have to persuade or trick him to part with it. If somebody else has the position or recognition you want, you have to put him down and prove yourself better. If you want to push your opinion, you have to argue for it and prove those who hold other views wrong. That's how quarrels start. We like to make out it's more complicated, but all we're doing is making excuses. It's very simple. If you don't go after the things you desire, there will be no quarrels. Quarrels, arguments and fights come from your desires. But hold on, you say. What if that thing I desire is a good thing? What if I'm convinced that that doctrine or belief I hold to is right? What if I genuinely believe that I could do that job better? What if I'm not being given my place the way I should be? What if my God-given gifts are not recognised and my experience isn't valued and the whole church is suffering because of it? What do I do then? Shouldn't I pursue desires like that? Well, it could well be that what you desire isn't wrong. James has that covered. He says you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, if there's something you want, ask God for it. Pray. Does that sound too easy? It comes down to this. Do you believe in a sovereign God who rules over all creation? Do you believe in a God who is continually ordering everything, even the thoughts and plans other people have and make, for his own glory and the good of his people? Do you believe in an all-powerful God who cannot be thwarted? Do you believe in a God who is abounding in goodness and grace and delights to do good things for his children, a God who always keeps his promises, a God who has said, ask and you shall receive? Do you believe all those things? Well, if you do, if that thing you desire is good, could God not give it to you without a quarrel if you asked him? You do not have because you do not ask. But I have asked, you say. I've asked God for it loads of times and I still haven't got it. Maybe God wants me to take it into my own hands and fight for it. No, James says. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. There's no arguing with James' simple logic. If what you ask is good, God will give it to you. If he doesn't, well, it mustn't be good. What you're asking for is not for his glory, so it must be for your own pleasure. People struggle with the question, why does God not answer my prayers? And it's not a hard question to answer. If God doesn't give you what you ask for, you're asking for the wrong thing. Pray for things that will bring glory to God, things that are in line with God's will. Prayers like that are prayers that God can't refuse. If you don't know what will bring glory to God or what God's will is, then pray that he'll show you. Search the scriptures and don't stop searching until you find out. Prayer changes things. But what people often forget about prayer is that prayer changes you. 
God says pray and he wants you to persist and persevere in prayer until the answer comes. If you pray and nothing happens, don't give up and say, well, that must have been a bad prayer. No, you keep praying because God has told you to. Pray more fervently, put big effort into your prayer. But as you pray, keep thinking, why might God not be answering my prayer? Is my motive pure? Are my reasons good? Because if you keep examining your heart like that, you'll learn things about yourself. Your wrong, selfish motives will sooner or later come to light. Question your motives, search the scriptures, examine your heart, and when they come to light, confess your wrong motives and repent of them, and over time you'll change. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Sometimes I fear we don't take that promise and the many others like it half seriously enough. It's as if we think Jesus didn't mean it. And through years of unanswered prayer, we've got into the habit of not taking it seriously. What I fear is happening is that we pray for things, they don't happen, so we just accept it. Ah well, it mustn't be God's will, we say. Maybe he's teaching me contentment or patience or something. And we give up asking We content ourselves with small morsels and convince ourselves that those small morsels are the abundant blessing of a generous, all-powerful God who really is answering our prayers, but just not in the way we want it. Nobody really expects God to do anything big. That's far too easy. That kind of prayer doesn't change anything. It's not changing things, and it's not changing us either. There's no heart searching, you see, no self-examination, no confession, no repentance. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. If you're doing the asking and you're not receiving, you're asking amiss. Do you not think you ought to work out what is amiss in your asking? Do you not think it's important? Are you just going to let it go on and put up with more years of largely unanswered prayers? Is that what you want? Well then, you need to get down to some serious praying. Lengthy times of prayer, searching the scriptures. Lord, why are you not answering? Heart-searching prayer. So, if there's something you desire to see happen in the church or something you want to see change, or something you want to do, or something you want to have, by all means use the proper avenues, but if it's still not happening, don't quarrel, pray, and trust God to bring it about. And if it doesn't come about quickly, keep praying, keep praying until either things change or you change, because one of the two will happen if you keep praying praying. And do the same thing in other places too, not just in church. At work? At home? Do you want that lazy husband to change? Or those controlling parents? The same principles apply. Where do wars and fights come from among you? 
Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. 